Hello, ladies and gentlemen. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Braden Fox. I host the infrequent general video game podcast, The Orange Gamer. You are currently listening to the first installment in a series of shows I'm hoping to write and produce about video game history, entitled Broken Sequences. I plan for this to be a monthly show with each episode lasting about 15 to 20 minutes. For some context about this first episode, the original work for the show comes from a series of columns I did last summer at Crimson Monkey, where it laid out a history of controversial games. I was so proud of this series, and so interested in the underlying subject, that I thought I had to make it into a podcast. For the next year, I sat on my hands and thought idly about what sort of changes needed to be made to switch formats. Finally, I decided to get to work on this show. These first installments will come out more quickly than later ones, because much of the work is already done. I did more research, uh, adding on to what I've done before, and I had to completely rewrite the specifics of what I was saying, but the underlying ideas and research have just been here. I already wrote them. Finally, I don't know how you're going to be hearing this. <clears throat> I know how I'm setting up my RSS feed, and it will be on iTunes soon, but if you want more information, I'll have the whole show notes available on brokensequences.blogspot.com, as well as an in-depth transcript that you can download as a PDF on Dropbox, and that link will also be in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. If you like it, review me on iTunes, what's on, on iTunes, or send me an email at onchairnerd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. it's interesting because the perspective of what video games are and their place in the culture is so deeply embedded in video games and conversations, but it's almost a given. As long as humans have video games and understand it, video games are another. 
you again, Sasquatch. is such an important this is where the story circles back to the beginning of the show. Yes, this is where the story circles back to the beginning of the show. Tom left such an industrial
And it's just, just the show. I'm going you know, to they had the video for the Thank you. 
The game, made for one or two players, was archaically simple, with the goal being to run down the most gremlins possible in your car. When you ran over the quote-unquote gremlins, they would screech loudly and leave behind a tombstone that would start to block your path as the game went on. You would have 99 seconds to run over the helpless gremlins that resembled stickmen. After that time, the number of vehicular murders you committed would be tallied up, and you would get a score based on your evil deeds. The score is being 1 for 3, Skeleton Chaser, 
4 for 10 Bone Tracker, 11 for 20 Gremlin Hunter, and 21 over Extra Driver. I guess, you know, they had to decrease their names. In the transcript of the show, I'm going to include a video of the gameplay. To modern sensibilities, it seems like something you might have stumbled upon in a badly designed Flash game website that advertises strategy games with dusty elves. The graphics are blocky and not very on point. Yeah, 90 people you're running over, but 90 gremlins, whatever. And the whole controversy began with an article in a Seattle newspaper. For everyone at home, you really need to visit Kevin Smith's website, which I'll link to in the show notes, that has a, some interesting interviews. The origins of this article are telling alone. Wendy Walker, the reporter who wrote this article, randomly noticed a line of kids in an arcade mall that was standing out the arcade door. Presumably assuming that such a long line of kids would never up to any good, she decided to see what was holding their attention. She observed some kids playing the game and found a crusade to rail against. The article was published on July 3rd, 1976 in the Daily Oregonian. Oregonian, I should say. <laughs> and I'm going to read the whole thing here, just some specific parts of the telling. The first sentence, which, according to the AT style guide, should encapsulate the most important info, I should know I've had to use it far too much, reads, The latest computerized game at the local dollar program is called, quote-unquote, Death Race. For 25 cents, you can pretend you're running down pedestrians with a car. As I mentioned before, video games were in their infancy at the time. This is telling that a comment made by Paul Jacobs in the article where he says, quote, If people get a kick out of running down pedestrians, you have to let them do it. Close quote. That right there is what I love about the early video game industry. Nowadays, if someone made such a callous comment, they would be almost instantly out of a job, especially a marketing director. The article rather bizarrely concludes a quote from a psychologist, Dr. Bird Neats, that's B-Y-R-D-E-E, Neats, who worked at San Quentin Prison. A game like that appeals to the morbidity in a person. <clears throat> that type of preoccupation with violence was common in the prisoners I dealt with. They would have loved the game. There's another part of the Oregonian story that I found really interesting, where a local arcade manager is contacted about the game. He reassures the interviewer that, quote, those gremlins that you run down, you're not supposed to think that are people, close quote. The operative word here is think. Back in 1976, if you thought virtual violence to real violence, you should have been comforted by the abstraction present in the game. In another interview on the aforementioned website, G.N. Phil Brooks from Exidy said, quote, We have one of the best artists in the business. If we wanted to have cars running over pedestrians, we could have done it to curl your hair. We could have had switching on tires, moans and screams for eight dollars extra. But we wouldn't build a game like that. We're human beings too. But if you know anything about the kind of graphics and sound technology available to arcade developers in the 1970s, you know they really couldn't do much more than they did. Regardless, the word quickly got out, and every self-righteous news outlet around got to take the dangerous stand for morality, including Newsweek, Midnight, The National Choir, 
entirely, etc. Next that rule at the end of 16 minutes, inspired by taking up the cause of criticizing games, had a special on the psychological impact of video games on their players. The upper adopt the game caused any arcade owner simply not to carry the cabinet, and those players who did carry it were rioted against in the first known protests of any game. There is there's little record of it ever happening, a fact explainable by how many how popular the cause was and the lack of persecution protesters faced. Some claim rioters even went so far as to take cabinets out of an arcade and destroy them in the street. And this is slightly ironic, considering the only logical reason you would protest about a violent game would be as a way to combat violent actions and style Again, and using actual violence is silly to combat the threat of violence. There are also urban legends about dangers of the game and bomb threats toward Exidy. Even fig- figures in the industry frowned upon Death Race. Industry pioneer turned industry critic Nolan Bushnell was even quoted saying, quote, We were really unhappy with that game, Death Race. We had an internal rule that you, we wouldn't allow violence against people. You could blow the tank, or you could blow the flying saucer, but you couldn't blow up people. You felt that there was, that was not good form, and we adhered to that all during our tenure. And here I was thinking you were running over gremlins, as it says on the box of Arcade Cabinet in, in the game. But no one personal probably knows better than I do. However, the old saying goes that any publicity is good publicity, and it is proven yet again in this case. Between 1975 and 1976, the, whole, the company's total sales went from $250,000 to $3,000,000. For those who don't want to do the math at home, that's 12 times the revenue. Yeah, that's a pretty effective more for say that say. I'd like to thank you all for joining me on the inaugural episode of Broken Sequences. Next episode, General Custer finally gets his revenge. Thank you for listening.